Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Not only is this Friday the Bread Factory, but this place is the Bread Factory. Amen? For those of you that don't know, this, this uh, warehouse used to be a bakery. It used to provide bread to the community. Now it provides fresh bread. Amen? Y'all are dead this morning. Let's all stand up for a second. Amen. Let's all stand up for a second. Anybody excited to just be changed by God's word? All right. Well, then slap two people next to you. Say, praise God. Say, listen up and grab a seat. We, we actually, we, we stopped doing hugs because it was too hot. So now the winter time coming, we're going to get back to the hugs. And then, and then by, by next uh, summer, we'd have the air in here, so we'd be good. We could always keep hugging. Amen, amen. Slap somebody, sit down, say, I'm excited. I love to start with a quote. And here's a quote I want to drop on you this morning. We ready? We ready? We ready? We ready. All right. Thank you, Bruiser. He who offers God a second place offers him no place at all. Amen? Thank you, Toyin. I got a second one for you because that didn't move you. Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Man, I let that one circle and then, and then hit land. Because if you, if, you, if you say we're controlled by the Lord of our lives... And, and, and we're not even church people, some of us. Who's controlling us? Right? We're controlled by the Lord of our lives. I believe that or I wouldn't say it. So we, we're in the middle. I want to welcome. Who's here for the first time? Do we got any first time visitors? Amen. Amen. Let's welcome them. Amen. Amen. Will you... You've sat yourselves this morning in a, very in a very safe place to hear a very dangerous message. Amen? We're in the middle of a series that I'm calling the Elijah Chronicles. And we're just going through the life of Elijah from 1 Kings 17, 18, 19. And we're just going to keep going with the life of Elijah. And I believe as we learn and as we experience the spirit and power of God through Elijah, that we're just going to start to see it and, and, and it's already happening. Amen? We're already starting to see that. And so right now, this is part three of the Elijah Chronicles. And last week, we were talking about the holy showdown, the big God smackdown, right? Where, where um, Elijah 
where, where uh, Elijah set up the, the people of Israel and, and the prophets of Baal. And there were 450 prophets of Baal and it was just him. And they set up a sacrifice, a bull, and he set up a bull. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and, and you know, if you didn't know the story, just read it in First Kings. But what happened was they prayed from morning to night. Just praying and asking God because the test was, let the real God answer by fire. So, okay, they both set up a sacrifice, they both set up an altar, and they said, let the real God answer by fire. If it is Baal or all these other idols that you guys have, then let let him answer by fire. If God, Jehovah, Yahweh is the real God, then let him answer by fire. It's, It's the most incredible test that God allowed in the Word of God. I don't encourage you to start putting God to those tests. But God allowed it in this time for us to, to read it, for us to understand it, and for the people of Israel to just experience it. So, so there it was, there was these 450 prophets, and it says that they got so frustrated, and they got so tired of praying and crying and dancing and prophesying and, and just trying to, trying to make something happen. They were trying to puff something up, trying to make their God answer by fire, and it says that He did not answer. And... I started, you know, thinking about all of that misdirected worship, right? Because they were worshiping this God that wasn't God at all, right? And so I was thinking about all that misdirected worship. And through all of this, except for a couple of comments, Elijah, you know, got a little bit uh, sarcastic kind of in there. And he was like, "Uh, what's the matter? Your God's not answering? Maybe your God's deaf. You know, he made a couple of comments. But aside from that, he stood by and waited all day for these people to just keep on with this misdirected worship. And that's kind of, you know, where we, where we left off. And I was thinking about that and I said, man, Elijah waited all day for these worshipers to get tired and to exhaust themselves. And no doubt, these 450 priests by now had lost their voices. Can you imagine, right? full day of yelling and screaming and praying and and shouting. By now they'd probably lost their voices. They'd probably lost their strength. The Word of God says that they were cutting themselves, so there's blood flowing everywhere. You imagine the wicked scene, but imagine after hours and hours of bleeding out and bleeding out. Some were probably already dead. Right? After a full day of bleeding out. Thank you for joining us. Have a seat. Thank you. Amen. So I I imagine they've lost their voices, they've lost their strength, they've lost their dignity, they've lost all credibility. How many of you know they lost their jobs? These were paid priests. But it didn't work, right? So by now they lost their jobs, they lost all hope, they lost all faith. Now today, most of us would probably never consider such a display for God. Right? For an idol. But I wonder how many times God has stood by watching us wrestle and struggle and in the process lose our strength. Trying to get things our own way. Anybody? How many times God has stood by and watched us lose our voices by crying out for the wrong things and for the wrong people? How many times, I mean, those priests lost their blood, but how many of us have lost that amount in tears? 
crying and crying for things that were not even any good for us. How many times has God watched us lose our dignity by compromising and accepting things that God would never want for us? I can't tell you how many people I've seen lose all hope and all faith trying to get from someone, something or someone else what only God can give. That's the definition of idolatry is what I want to share with you today. Idolatry is the use of an object to obtain what only God can provide. Amen? Anybody can understand that? So by definition, anything that we put before God, anything that we hang on to more or trust in more or rely in more or love more is an idol. Right? Is an idol. So there's idols in our lives. And and any idol that we set up in our lives will become the controlling Lord of our life. And that's really what I want you to get today. Any idol that we set up will become that controlling Lord of our lives. By the way, today's message is titled America's Idol. Part 3 in the Elijah Chronicles. So here are these 450 priests who've been worshiping something at this point that they doubt was ever really there. Or they're worshiping something that at the very least they can't understand why it's not working anymore. And I got this picture of idols as batteries. And I wonder, see, batteries have a temporary power. Batteries, a battery like an idol is a temporary source of power. When, you know, when we make idols out of things or people, we're setting them up and we're setting them up as a temporary source of power. Now, some batteries are better than others. Some might last longer, right? Now, um, you know, some might last longer, some might, might uh, give you the ability to do more things, but ultimately every battery will be drained. How many of you gone to the car and click, 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 click? Right? Too many of us. Uh, you know, ultimately every battery will be drained. Why? Because a battery does not have endless power. As a matter of fact, a battery has no power of its own. A battery takes borrowed power and gives it as if it was its own. I'll let you think about that for a minute. A battery takes borrowed power because a battery, if it's not plugged in and charged, it'll never have power. A battery doesn't just come with power. A battery has to take borrowed power and then it gives it to us as if it were its own I don't know about you but I want to live my life I don't want to live my life or trust my life to borrowed power anybody with me see I I don't want temporary power if I'm going to have a Lord that controls my life I want to be plugged in say amen I want to be plugged in. I want the full power. I want unlimited power. Listen, I've said this before, but you can walk into any store in this neighborhood in the Bronx, any restaurant, 
any store, any deli. And if you look around enough, you will find out who they trust in by discovering their idols. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? Any store, any store, any restaurant, any deli, you look around and you will find out who they trust in by discovering their idols. They're usually resting on a little shelf somewhere with candles around that they can't see. They usually have fruit around them that they can't eat. Some of them have money in front of them that they can't spend. And they're usually aimed at the front of the door so that, so that they can see clearly what, you know, so they can bless and protect. See, I don't want a God that I need to aim. How many, how many of you with me? I, I, don't, I don't want a God that, you know, in, you, when you see that, when, when you find that, you'll find the Lord of that, of that, you'll find out who they trust in, okay? I don't want a ceramic God. Say amen. amen. See, I, I don't want a Lord in my life that I have to light candles for so that they can see. I want a Lord of my life that can see in the dark as it was in the light. Amen? I want a God that's the creator. A God that sees what's done in secret even. Amen? I want the God that sees everything. I don't want a candle-powered God. It's, it's, it seems like a joke, but it's not. Is it? Is it really a joke? It's not. I don't want a candle-powered God. I don't want a God that's only happy with me when I buy him the $6 candle in his favorite color. I want, I want, see, I don't want a God in my house that if my house were to burn down, I don't want a Lord of my life that I'd have to rescue and take out the house. I've seen it. I've seen it. I want a God that will rescue me from the fire. Amen? Come on. I want a God that's going to rescue me. I want a God that, that knows it's on fire before I found out. And a God that, that sends somebody to get me out of there. A God that rescues me. Amen. I want full power. Listen, I used to be afraid of electricity, right? I wouldn't change a light bulb because I knew that in that socket there was a lot of power. How many of you ever had the, the little cantazo that you get? That, that's enough to give you a healthy respect of electricity, right? So I, I wouldn't change a light bulb because I knew that in there, if, if I did something wrong, it, it, just, just inside there, uh, it, it's this power there. I don't want to touch it. Let somebody else change the light bulb. But when you become a church planter, <laughs> if you don't play with electricity, nobody else is going to. So if you don't change the light, nobody else is going to. And so after running miles and miles of electrical wire through this place, and, and after installing outlets and, and, and chandeliers and fixtures and plugs, and after installing breakers and installing that, I'm not afraid of anymore. Now I have a healthy respect for electricity. Amen? But it's different. I'm not afraid of it. I know that I can't do anything without that power. And so I'm not scared of that power in that way. Do you know, those, you know those lines that run across the streets, right? The power lines? Do you know that there is, have you know, ever thought about it? Or, or Those lines are unprotected. They're, not, they're just there wide open running from pole to pole. Do you know that, 
I was trying to look up how much of the amperage and whatever is in there, and I couldn't find it, but, but forget Google, right? Um, but do you know that there is enough amperage and wattage or voltage or whatever it is to kill 10 men in an instant running through those lines? And, and there's nothing protecting them, so like if, if we were to, to like be, get on Drew's shoulder, we can probably you know, get real close. Right? And, and, and there's nothing... And so if you touch those things, there's enough power to just kill 10 guys right next to you. Right? It's that much power. But how many of you have seen squirrels resting right on them? Birds just chilling. Hundreds of, of, of amperages of whatever's running through there, but a bird just sits right on it and doesn't even feel it. Do you know why? Where are my science heads at? Do you know, I mean, two, two, you know why. Let me explain the rest of them. See, you can, and, and you can do it too, but please don't go try this at home. I don't want anybody being killed. I'm not endorsing this. Please do not do this. Jonathan, don't do this. Okay? You, you can grab on to that power full and not be killed. Did you know that? As long as you don't touch anything else. As long as you know, the, see the second you lean on something else, you become grounded and that power goes through you and kills you. But if you only are holding on to the full source and nothing else, you have full power and it doesn't kill you. It is in control. Amen? As long as you don't lean on anything else, the secret of that live full power, you can hang on to it as long as you're only hanging on to it. Amen? What I want you to understand is you can walk in the full power of God as long as you're not grabbing on to anything else. Come on, I'm talking to you, get excited. You can have the full power of God. Anything that you've seen somebody do. Jesus said, these things that I do, greater things you will do. Greater things you will do. But, but all, it, all it is, it's not because the word says God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? God doesn't look at the three-piece suit and say, that's expensive suit. He's or, or a position. God doesn't look at the little letters after our names or before our names. God is not a respecter of persons. If you, you and me and anybody could walk in the full power of God as long as we're not leaning on to anything else. Say amen. Amen. Let's go back to our story. So here there are thousands of people who have previously worshipped the one true God. The Israelites, right? The people of God. They, they have had, you know, both their hands on that live wire. They've experienced full power in their lives. Their fathers, their forefathers have seen miracle after miracle. They've seen God provide for them. They've seen just incredible things that, that we would wonder, how could you still be dumb and, and, and rebellious? You've seen so much. God has done so much in your life. But how many of us are here just like that, right? Me and Eric, Amen. God has done so much in our lives, but we just still rebel. I, I don't understand why, but it's the sinful nature that we have, right? It's this flesh that's always that we listen to. It's deception. It's America's idols. But these people, after seeing all of that, then they're introduced to these idols, and some out of fear, some out of rebellion, some just for the fun of it, take one hand off of that live power, and they hold on to Baal. And they grab on to Asherah. 
and they grab on to, to this goddess of fertility and they grab on to, and, and it, you know, this is Old Testament, but this is true today. It's the same today, right? We, we, we just take full, we, we take one hand off because we say, I, I, I know this is the true power. I know God is the true God, but, but I'd like to play with this for a little bit, right? But I'm not going to let go of this as if it were going to be okay. Amen? And so, and, and just, just like a, a husband would tell a wife or a wife would, would, would tell a husband, listen, you can't have another lover. Once you, I'm your lover, you can't have another lover. Once you introduce another lover into the picture, our love is defiled. You, you understand? Once, once there's another, another lover in the picture, we're, uh, we're not pure anymore. Our love isn't, isn't intact anymore. It isn't full anymore. It isn't whole anymore. It is defiled. I don't care what any lifestyle tells you today. Look at the results of those lifestyles, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And so um, we left off last week, chapter 18, verse 39. Elijah prayed. God sent down fire. You know, after they couldn't make the fire happen, God sent down fire. God consumed the bull. He consumed the sacrifice. He consumed the table. He consumed the stones. He consumed the wood. He even consumed all the water that was, that was there. I mean, it was, it was a crazy consuming fire. Amen? And so, you know, um, he, he, he did it all, and it says in verse 39 that they were all convinced that he is the real God. He won the contest. Jehovah is Lord. Yahweh is God. And we left off there last week because it was a great place to stop. It's a great illustration, an incredible test that God allowed the prophet to display for them and for us today. And so that they can see it and, and be able to redirect their worship. So they, they would get it straight that there is no other God. The same scripture tells us today there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Amen? There is no other name. Don't get it twisted. And so that was a great place to hit pause last week so we can reflect on examining everything that God has done for us and in us and through us and allow us to examine our lives and see where we might have some habits maybe, some thought patterns, some vices, some relationships where we share our worship with something or someone else. And so that was a great place to pause, but if you know the story, it doesn't end there. There is a whole lot more to it. And see, those people had gone too far. They had allowed too much. And in verse 40, Elijah says, right after God consumes the sacrifice, Elijah says, grab every one of them. Elijah tell, told his men like, like uh, uh, Merck and, and Joe and John, and then he said, grab every one of them. Don't even let one get away. And it says that they, they grabbed all 450 men, and he took them down to the stream, and killed every last one of them. What a loving God. He killed every last one of them. Because you see, <coughs> when you cross a certain line, when you've done, when you've gone too far, something has to die. Do you understand that? Something has to die. And, and Levitical, you know, the law back then said that anybody that would introduce the, the uh, worship of false idols to God's people, that that was, a lo that that was punishable by death. 
And so he carried it out. Something had to die. See, it's not enough to say that they were wrong. It's not enough to say, oh, okay, you know, I, I, my career is worshiping Baal. I'm a priest and I've led thousands of people away, astray. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Your God's the real God. No, we know that already. Our God's the real God. No more chance for you. you do you understand? There's going to come a time. Let me not even get into that. See, these priests were responsible for defiling the worship of God. These priests had led people astray. They were robbing worship from God. I want to ask you today, family, who's robbing your worship? What is robbing your worship? Whatever it is today that's keeping you from offering God your worship, whatever it is today that's causing you to share your worship, that thing, whatever it is, that relationship, whatever it is, I have to, I, I, it, it's my job to tell you today that has to change. Listen, it could be an, I, an iPod. And I knew you'd be quiet, but not this quiet. It could be an iPod that's robbing your worship. What, what is the music that you're feeding on robbing your worship? I don't want you to answer that out to, to me or out loud, but I want you to examine yourselves and ask yourselves, you know, the, the, that thing that I can't get out of my ears, right? How I many of you talk to people, they can't, even when they're talking to you, they just take one out. The other one's still in, right, my young people? Where we at? Right? The, the, even, it, it's always playing. They sleep with it. They wake up with it. It is always speaking. It is always preaching. What is your iPod preaching to you? Amen? Two people excited, parents. That's great. Amen? Be, because if it's something that's robbing your worship, if it's something that's keeping you... And, and, and listen, young people, please, I'm not, I'm not going to preach that, oh, all secular music is bad and you should... No, but, but just listen. Because a lot of you tell me, but it's not bad. I don't listen to the bad stuff. I don't listen to wicked stuff. I don't listen to evil stuff. But, but, but it, it's the stuff in the middle that's just distracting you. Can, can you understand that? And, and you can go weeks and weeks and weeks being distracted by just good music. Right? Just, it's about love. God is love. God loves love. It's love music. Making sex in the club and, 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 and that's not love. All right? That's not love. Don't, don't get it twisted. It's not love. You, you can't have, a, a, it, it bugs me out that when you have 15-year-olds singing, 15-year-olds some of these guys are, and they're singing how your touch and your kiss and your, 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 what are you, what are you talking about? Right? You, you, you made out in the hallway in the school someplace. How, how, how can you get a hit single now talking about, no, because I still feel your kiss on my lips. I still, come on, your mother still kisses you on the lips. Do, do, do you understand what's, what, what I'm saying? It's, it's killing me. It kills me, the music. So, so just, just I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching, condemning everybody's iPods or nothing, but I'm saying if it's robbing your worship, check it. Amen? If it's robbing, if, if it's not something that you can even worship to, check it. Check it. Something has to die. 
It could be your computer, men of God. What are we looking at? Who are we talking with? That's stealing our worship. Not just men of God, but ladies of God. Amen? I don't want the guys to have to carry all the weight on that. Who are you talking with? Who, who are you building relationships with that you have no business building? You're a married woman. What are you doing chatting? What is this stuff? Right? Oh, it's harm. It's, you know, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. You are just being distracted and you are just having a fantasy that will never give you fulfillment. Amen? So it could be a computer, it could be an iPod, it could be a job, it could be the desire for a certain job, the desire for a certain lifestyle, the desire for, for certain money. It could be a relationship that you have no business being in. Scripture says that we should not be unequally yoked. Do I need to break that down for you? What business does godly have to do with ungodly? Stop bringing mess here and asking God to bless your mess. Amen? I mean, we'll bless Him. And, and, and what I've seen happen sometimes is the mess that you ask to bless, that gets saved, gets changed, and leaves you. Because you... you <laughs> Come on. Come on. You don't know. You thought you was using somebody. Somebody was using you. God was using you to bring somebody else into glory. Amen? Because you ain't serious about it. You don't realize what you have. Because if you did, you'd have no business. Oh, I met him in a club. Oh, interesting. Anyway. Young adults, singles, young people hear this. A bad relationship is a worship thief. It will literally rob you blind. It will rob you to the point where you can't even see it anymore. Amen? What are America's idols? Money, power, possessions, and sex is intertwined in all three because it's the glue that holds it all together. Now, now, this isn't a rahatabla legalistic message. Listen to me. Money is not evil. Power is not evil. Possessions are not evil. Sex is not wicked. Don't let the church repress your head. Sex is not wicked. God, listen, God, oof. there's a place for everything and everything in its place. The problem is when any one of those is in God's place. Do, do you see? There's a place for everything, everything in its place. But, but when any of it is in God's place, <coughs> that's when you got a problem. See, God can't be Lord of your life where there are other lords present. This is rough. I didn't expect too, be, too many people to be excited. but So verse 41, let's go back to our story. After this is all over, God has proven himself faithful. The priests of Baal have lost everything. Now they've been put to death. And Elijah says to Ahab, check this out. He tells him, go eat and drink and celebrate for there is the sound of abundant rain. Remember, it hasn't rained in three and a half years. It's a severe drought. 
He tells them, now, you know, the, the test is over, the challenge is done, all of the other gods have been wiped out, and they've been killed, and God is, has been proven that He is supreme, that He is Yahweh, that He is Jehovah, and now Elijah says, the test is over, go eat, drink, celebrate, because I hear the sound of abundant rain. Now listen, he was speaking prophetically in faith, because in the natural, no one heard any rain. In the natural, if you read the story, it wasn't raining. It was clear. It was a clear night. Every star was out. You didn't see anything. There was no sign of rain. But you see, after you freed yourself from the rain of other lords, then you just got to know that God is going to send His rain. Amen? After, after you cut yourself off from every temporary supplier, then God sends His supply. Listen, somebody needs to receive this today. When you're through relying on batteries, then God will drop an extension cord to you so you can plug in. Come on. So he says to Ahab, go eat and drink, go rejoice, let's celebrate because there is the sound of heavy rain. And it says Ahab goes off the king and he goes to celebrate. And Elijah goes back up to the highest point of the mountain and he bows down with his face between his knees to pray. And he tells the servant that's with him to go out and look out to the sea and, and tell me what you see. In other words, he tells him, go look out for rain. Go look for rain. And it says, and, and he keeps his head down and he's praying with his head between his knees. And the servant comes back and he says, there's nothing. I don't see anything. Please let him in. Sometimes that's the door pressing against the bell. Joe's going to go knock it off. So it, 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 he tells, listen, don't, don't miss this. Don't be distracted. He tells the servant, go out and tell me what you see. And the servant comes back to him. He's there in prayer, you know, asking God because God promised rain, but Elijah still had to ask for it. And so he, he's asking God. He's praying for rain. He says, now is the time. You said when I speak it, it will happen. And so God had given him a promise, and now he's asking for it. He says the servant, go, go find, go tell me what you see out over the sea. The servant comes back and says, I don't see anything. There is no sign of your promise. How many of you would have been stuck right there? Discouraged right there. Depressed. God, I just, you know what you just put me through? You know what I just did? Now, since your reign, there's no sign. But no, Elijah tells him, look again. And so the servant goes back out and he looks out over the sea. And he comes back and he says, Elijah, there's no sign of rain. There is no sign of your promise. There is no indication that it is going to rain. And Elijah, without even looking up, he says, look again. And he prays. And seven times he sends Elijah. He sends the servant to go look. And the seventh time, somebody say amen. amen. It says in verse 44, he says, <clears throat> this time he says, I do see a small cloud about the size of a man's hand. Nobody got excited? 
Seven times, six times he told them, go look, and, and nothing, there is no sign of your promise. Listen to me, because I'm receiving this word for myself, I'm receiving it for the church, I pray you'd all receive it for yourselves. See, God in his word has endless promises for us. He has specific promises, individual promises, and corporate promises for his children. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. See, that's plans. God has plans to prosper you. God has plans. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he declared in advance for us to walk in. See, he prepared things in advance for us to walk in. He prepared a life for us to walk in. And that life isn't all misery. It isn't all, yes, there's testing. Yes, there's trials. But it builds us up. And but, but we, we, we can become buff Christians as we walk through this thing. But it isn't, it isn't just misery. It isn't depression. It isn't mistake. It isn't failure. It isn't, no. God says we go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. It might not feel like that sometimes. Amen? It doesn't feel like that sometimes. But God said in His promises, we're going to go from glory to glory. So listen, you could be living in verse 43. The report came back and said, there is no sign of your promise anywhere. I don't see anything. Have any, is anybody in that state today? Is anybody in like, God, you've told me so many things were going to happen to me. You've told me so many things were going were gonna to come to pass. You said this and you said that and you said that and you're at a verse 43 in your life where every time the servant comes back and he tells you there is no sign of your promise. I look, but there's nothing. There's nothing. See, but Elijah knows that God supplies. He learned it through the test of the brook and the bird. Remember that in the beginning? And Elijah knows that God hears. He learned it through the test of the bread and the boy. Remember that? And he knows that God is Lord. He learned it through the test of Baal and the bull. Remember that? So once you get past the bull... You realize that there is a God and that He knows me and that He hears me and that He so loves me. Amen? Some of you just got to get past the bull. Once you get past the bull that they're teaching you in school, past the bull of theories that they're trying, that are always been theories because they can't prove it. Amen? Once you get past the bull, you would accept and say, God, you, there is a God. You do exist. You do know my name. You do have the hair counted on my head. For some of us, that's a bigger challenge. Hallelujah. So we can learn from Elijah that God supplies, that God hears, and that when we put our trust in Him alone... God, God answers. Amen? And so he tells the servant, look again. And every time he returned, the same report. No promise. No promise being fulfilled. I don't see anything. But for the seventh time, verse 44 says, he came back and said, there isn't much, but there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. I don't see any rain yet, but there's a cloud. And listen, listen, you may have been waiting for your promises to come. You may have seen, you know, you haven't seen anything for a long time. And you've gotten to date six negative reports. God says, look again. 
Receive that. Receive that. God is telling you, look again. Look again. You say, but God, I haven't seen anything. But God, it's been six bad reports. It's been a negative report after a negative report. God brought you here today to tell you, look again. Look again. There's a small cloud the size of a man's hand. Look again. In other words, something is forming. Something is happening. Something is about to break out. Amen? God says, look again. And, and the word says that Elijah, he didn't even wait for the rain. He told the servant, tell King Ahab to hitch up his chariot and get on his way or else the heavy rain is going to stop him. That's how much heavy rain he's, he's saying, he's believing for, even though he's not even seeing it yet. By verse 45, the very next verse. How many of you know sometimes our lives get stuck on a verse? And we're just a verse or two away from breakthrough. I see it in so many people's lives. We're just a verse or two from breakthrough. We are right there. We are struggling right here. We have moved on to right here. It's taken seven years to get from here to here. Anybody been there? Am I speaking to anybody? It's, it's taken 15 years to go from this verse to this verse. But the very next verse, it says, In a little while, the sky grew black with wind-driven clouds and a huge cloud burst of rain. Listen to me, I'm believing what I'm reading today. The Message Bible says, things happened fast and the sky grew dark. The King James Version says, and it came to pass that the sky grew dark and the clouds formed and there was a burst of rain. I'm believing for a season of promise for every believer that would adhere to God's words. Listen to me. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Listen to me, family. If you are believing for something today, you know what I'm about to say. I'm going to ask that you stand up all over this place. If you're believing for something, if all you've gotten were negative reports, listen, I, I, I'm telling you, I, when, we, when we go through this life of Elijah, God was going to do something in our lives. God is starting to do it. Listen to this, just to end the chapter. Just bow your heads for a minute. Don't be distracted. If you're standing, that means you're believing. If you're believing, that means, man, you've been there and you've heard six negative reports up to this time. And everybody that's come, those reports could have come from doctors. Those reports could have come from lawyers. Those reports could have come from family members. They were negative reports. They're telling you, I don't see any sign of your promise in sight. You're standing today. You're saying, look again. Look again, because there's a cloud forming. Because God is about to do something. And just to end that chapter, let me give you the last verse of that chapter. It says in verse 46, And God strengthened Elijah mightily. Listen, we're going to receive a supernatural strength. I'm, I'm believing that today. It says, And God strengthened Elijah mightily 
pulling up his robe and tying it around his waist, Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. Now why is that a big deal? Well, because a chariot was pulled by horses and from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, it was 16 miles. And the word of God says that the, that the spirit of God came on Elijah and strengthened him and he ran 16 miles ahead of the horse-driven chariot. You see, when, when, when you have, when the king is in you, when God strengthens you, you don't need the worldly king's provisions. You don't need a ride from this world. God says, I'll give you supernatural strength to outrun it. When you get full power, when you take your trust and your hands off of other sources, when you stop messing with batteries, listen, it didn't matter how many horses were pulling that chariot. Elijah was on full horsepower that nothing else can touch. Gary, I'm going to ask that you come up and just seal this, Gary, in prayer. Just seal this. And then we're going to go into, into a prophetic ministry that you're, you're welcome to stay. You're welcome to leave. But if you're believing, I dare you to stay. Go ahead, Gary. And we're going to pray in a minute to believe God that he's going to release the things that you've been believing for. But what, what the word says is first you've got to trash your idols. First, you got to check who you're worshiping. See, you can't have the rain. You can't have the promise until you get rid of that idol, until you smash it on the ground. And what is an idol? An idol is anything that takes the place in your heart, that place that's supposed to be only for God, that place of worship, that place of adoration. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be a minister. You know, with all these ministers, we read about falling away in sin. Many, many Christians walk away from God because they've made them idols. There's got to be a place in your heart only for Him. It's only for Him. See, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit. Spirit of God lives in you. And we cannot have a mixture anymore. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're believing God for something, you're saying, God, I'm desperate. I need an answer to prayer. I'm going to ask you first, right here and right now, examine your heart. Examine your mind. What is first place in your life? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? The last thing before you go to bed? Is it God? Is it the very presence of God? Or do you have another lover? Is there one that you love more than God? The biggest idol in this country is, is yourself. The worship of self. So many people worship who they are. Oh, I got to look a certain way spending hours in front of the mirror so I can worship myself so people will worship me. Right now, just between you and God, just take a minute. Just examine your heart. Look in your heart and say, God, if there's anything, if there's anyone that's bigger than you in my heart, reveal it to me. Just take a minute right now. 
Father, we just repent before you today, O oh God. We repent, Lord God, because we've loved others more than we love you. We love the things of this world, O oh God, more than we love your presence. We love worldly pleasures more than we love to worship you, O oh God. More than we love to read your word, O oh God. We've loved television more. We've loved entertainment more. We've placed other things, Lord God, in your place. Right now, in Jesus' name, just begin to smash those idols. Begin to smash them. Say, God, I repent. I'm sorry, God. Just begin to throw them down. Throw them down. Anything that's between you and God, anything that stands in the way of worship, maybe it's your job, maybe it's a husband or wife, anything that's been robbing that time that was supposed to be set aside for God, just determine right now, smash it. That's what they did in the story. They didn't play around. They said the time for playing is over. They got serious. They said, we're not going to worship those idols anymore. But you alone are God. If, if that's you, if you're, if you're saying before God today, I'm smashing my idols. I'm throwing them down. Just lift your hand before God. This is a solemn time right now. But if you're not serious, please don't do it. not willing to make a serious commitment right now and it's about your heart it's about saying God I rededicate my temple to you Lord God so Father I thank you Lord God for each one here raising their hand Lord God and rededicating that place of worship and rededicating their lives as a temple of the Most High God, as unashamed lovers of Jesus, I, I just speak the blessing right now over you. Whatever you're believing for, we're going to stand in agreement right now. So in Jesus' name, I stand in agreement with every need, with every promise. For those who have been waiting for years and think that it's never going to happen, I release jobs right now in Jesus' name. I release promotion. I release increase. I release financial blessing that you can't contain in Jesus' name. I release right now a turnaround in your marriage. I, re I decree over your marriages right now, those of you who have been believing, I decree that you will you will have a healthy marriage, that you will be united in the Lord God Almighty, that things are turning around. For those of you who have been praying for husbands or wives, I just release right now in the spirit, mighty men of God as husbands, women of valor, women of holiness as wives. For those of you, you're seeking healing today. For you are a family member. I curse every sickness right now. 
in Jesus' name. I curse cancer now in Jesus' name. I curse heart condition, asthma in Jesus' name. I release the healing power of God. See, God's going to answer because you prepared a place. You prepared a place for him in your heart so that he can pour in the fire. And when the fire comes, the answers to prayer come down from heaven. We're pulling them down right now. And Father, for every prayer need right now, I stand in agreement and I release it. Just receive, receive, receive right now answers to your prayers. Receive the answers to your prayer, whatever it is. If it's emotional healing, I release it now. I break the power of depression off you. In Jesus' name. And Father, we ask you to pour down fire. We call on holy fire today, Lord God. Burn up the sacrifice. Burn up the sacrifice. Consume our hearts, oh God. showed me as a final act of rededicating your life we're gonna sing that song I am a temple my body is a temple uh, you don't need to but if you're really saying today I'm coming to a new place I'm gonna ask you to join me right here because I need to be up here right now I'm rededicating my life if you're saying my body is a temple I'm taking out anything that's defiling it. Right here and right now. Show God you're serious. This is between you and God. I'm not looking at you. I don't care if you stand here or not. This is between you and God. You're saying I'm trashing the idols. And I'm rededicating my life as a temple of the Most High God. You don't need to be up here. But if you want to really show God, I'm serious today. There's a change coming in my heart. I'm not tolerating evil anymore. You need to come up here right now as a sign to the Most High God. And let's worship. And as you worship, let the fire of His love burn away everything in your heart that's not Him. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.